I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. StarCast returns to the Chicago area this Labor Day weekend. Tickets for StarCast 6 are now on sale at StarCast.com and include AEW all-out ticket bundle options. Join us at the Hyatt Regency Schaumburg starting Friday night, September 1st, for unique fan experiences with wrestling legends from yesterday and superstars from today. Follow StarCast events on Twitter for the latest updates about all things StarCast. StarCast 6 is brought to you in part by ProWrestlingCrate.com monthly mystery crates for diehard wrestling fans. Plans start at $9.95 and are the perfect gift for any wrestling fan. Visit ProWrestlingCrate.com today. Excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Arn. This is Paul Bromwell. And as always, I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of the Spine Buster, our television champion, and the man who rocks that Soprano style tracksuit and mahogany tan. Oh my God, he's the enforcer. He's double A. He's Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you this week? Doing good. How about you? Oh man, I'm doing good. It's uh, always good to see you, my friend. And uh, listen, we're we're talking all things December 1992 this week. We had a a fun show last week, November 1992. A lot going on. Eric Watts is now in WCW. A lot there. But before we jump in, as always, it's important. Our fans ask. They request it. They want to know, where can I see Arn Anderson? Where can I shake the hand of the founder of the Four Horsemen? And, buddy, uh, you are spending three days in Raleigh at the Raleigh Convention Center on July 28th, 29th, and 30th as part of GalaxyCon. Fans are going to be able to get those 8x10s. They're going to get you to sign their red television titles and whatever else belts they bring. They can get selfies. Talk about how excited you are for this event. Well, I get to see our audience the same people that listen to the podcast, and they always say, tell Paul he's doing a great job. I think we have a select, um, eclectic fan base who really like the behind-the-scenes part of the business and how did you get there and the travel schedule and why did you have this match versus this match and all those inner workings, that's our audience. And, uh, hey, if you like it, guys, share it with your friends. Tell somebody. We could certainly use all the traffic that you guys can give us, and uh, much appreciated. Ah, well said, Arn. And uh, check us out on YouTube. You can subscribe over there on YouTube, Arn Show. And uh, we appreciate all that you do to support the show. But support the man. Support him if you can. If you're in Raleigh, check him out. You're also going to get to see Arn again that following weekend uh, in Charlotte. Arn right in your backyard there at the Hilton University place at Team Arts The Gathering. Uh, guys, this event runs from August 3rd through 6th, and uh, tons of meet and greets, panels, and you said it last week, Brock is going to be in action, you think, that weekend, right? I think so, yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, plus, it's about 25 minutes from my house. That's, that's beautiful. A wonderful thing. Uh, so I look forward to seeing a lot of my friends back from the day, mostly the fans who... You know, who just want to, you know, the common, the most common comment that I get is just want to thank you for my childhood. Mm. That's really stout and that's really profound. And when someone thanks you for being a big part of their childhood, apparently you did something right. Warren, I want to thank you for my adulthood. 
because as I, a grown-ass man right now, you and I get to spend t- time together each and every week, and I've gotten to know one of my heroes. And, buddy, I'm just going to say this to you in, fr- in front of everyone because we talk a lot behind the scenes. I have so much more of an appreciation for you uh, than I ever thought I could. I mean, I'm a big fan of, as a wrestling fan, but, man, you're a good you're a good dude. Good man. Love you. And uh, I, it's my honor to be able to do this podcast with you every week, buddy. So. Well, that's right back at you, my friend. Right back at you. Guys, he's the real deal. He's genuine, and we have a good time on the show. And uh, listen, the research guy, just to button up what he's going to be doing in Charlotte, tells me that this event is a happening and never falls short. I think you're going to see the research guy, by the way, in uh, in Raleigh. Uh, so don't be surprised if he doesn't at least show up with a Hershey bar with almonds in it for yarn. So uh, you can say hi to him for me, too. I will gladly accept. There you go. So check it out. If you live in horseman country, make sure you're there for T-Mart's The Gathering in August. Uh, The other thing we want to mention, ad-free shows, nine bucks a month, every podcast early and ad-free. The bonus content starts at 29 tier level. And Arn, one of your old pals, Kevin Sullivan, has joined the team. He's going to be releasing a show called Taskmaster Talks every Tuesday. And uh, my goodness, uh, he's going to join the ad-free show network and do a mailbag-style show with our buddy, Marcus. So Marcus is going to host that show every Tuesday with the Taskmaster. Uh, So there's tons of content over there. You're going to hear a lot of stories, uh, whether it's about Turner's finance officer, Dick Cheatham, or whatever the case may be. Uh, Conrad sat down with him recently. You're going to find it all over at ad-free shows. Uh, so check it out. What do you think about that? Old Kevin Sullivan, Arn? Marcus and the devil. Marcus and the devil. <laughs> Marcus, good luck. You're going to have some nightmares. <laughs> when Shorty tells his story, you're going to be disturbed at the very least. There you go, man. It's uh, it's all over there. There's something for everyone, as they say, over at Ad Free Shows. But we're here today to talk about you, Arn, your career. We talked about November 1992. And the continuing instability inside WCW last week, Paul Lee made his last appearance at the Clash of the Champions. You have Wyndham and Pillman. They're now heels. Uh, and you're, you began working with Eric Watts, the son of the Cowboy. And today we're taking a look back at December of 92 and what was happening in your career. And we're going to begin our discussion this week by talking about Eric. That's right, not Bischoff. Eric Watts, the son of Bill Watts. He made his debut in August of 92. Watts often wrestled in the early matches of the undercard, and he would wrestle guys like Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, Bob Cook. You remember all these guys, Arn. Mike Graham, Mark Canterbury. Come on. Diamond Dallas Page, Scotty Flamingo, who we'd also come to know and love as Raven. Arn, you've mentored a lot of young green wrestlers and have been responsible for teaching them the business as well as how to work in the ring. But Eric not only worked with these men, but he went all over on these guys, clean, night in and night out, and did not actually have a match that did not end without him going over until November 8th of 1992 when he wrestled a time limit draw with Steve Austin. I mean, somebody wanted Eric to start off strong and hot, did they not? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple ways to look at it. If you have the ability to give your son a push, why would you do it in the face of making it so lopsided that you turn the audience on Eric? And I right. feel like that's what happened. Yeah. Not his fault. You know, his dad wanted to use that vehicle to give him a huge push. But you got to understand wrestling fans and what they will accept. You know, you don't. Do you ever have an NFL team go 0-16 and then go 16-0? and No. Of course you don't. What you don't do is on the other end of that is you go 0-16 and, and then you go 8-8 eight and eight and you work your way up the ladder and, you know, finally you get to that maybe, that 16-1 and one or 15-1 and one or whatever it is. 16-0 and 0 is pretty tough to pull off. And you can push and push and push so, so hard and so, so much, and the audience will just spit it out. Yeah. 
You know, it just makes them nauseous. They want, I think wrestling fans are like any other sports fans. They want you to earn your way to a championship. They don't want it handed to you. They don't want it, you know, the referees to be uh, less than, which causes the team to win. They want you to earn it and claw and dig your way to the top. And just beating everybody you come in contact with is probably not the right way to go. And I felt bad for Eric because he's just doing what his dad said. And WCW here is not doing anything to really protect him. I mean... It's Eric Watts. That's who how they presented him, right? So we all are, you know, at this point know who's in charge, and they're not doing anything to give him a different name, give give look, whatever the case may be. So, and and the boss, you know, it, again, it was his show, but part of the reason that it did not was not successful is you, he's out there telling you he's the boss. Bill's yeah, the boss. That's right. Eric's my son. He wins every week. He beats everybody. Two and two is four. That's right. So just more reason, again, as a fan, to just be like grow super cold on him from the get-go. And, uh, but he did finally suffer his first clean loss in the business the day after November 8th. And uh, it was when you and Bobby, of course, at your hands, defeated him and Marcus Bagwell in a tag team match. Uh, so there you go, man. And, and, and to me, it's, I feel like losing and learning how to lose is an important element of the business. Would you agree with that? Oh, it's as important as anything else. You know, if a match is good enough, that's what the audience remembers. They don't remember who won and who lost. You know, ask them six months down the road if the match was good. That's the most important thing. Make the match something that is memorable, not something that is forgettable. And, and, you know, not to take anything away from Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker or Bob Cook or DDP or the future Raven, but in November of 92, Arn, Eric walks, he, he, Watts jumps from the frying pan into the fire because now he's taking on guys like you and Bobby Eaton and Steve Austin and Rick Rude and... And man, I'm telling you what, for more than a year, and we've talked about it, the four of you have been working the top of the card uh, as the most important heels in the company. And here you find yourselves being tasked with working with Eric Watts. So uh, it's interesting. You, you said it. He's in a, he is in a difficult position uh, with how daddy's booking him. Yeah, if you want to put it that way, that's, that's correct. You know, and and the fact is, the the guys can't take it out on Bill. So who does that leave? Yeah. Well, Arn, in a sit-down interview with Tony Schiavone that aired on WCW Saturday night from November 7th, Eric Watts discussed his training with Mike Graham, uh, WCW NWA Tag Team Champions Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham, Hiro Matsuda, Kensuke Sasaki, and NWA World Champion Masahiro Chono. This segment concluded with footage of Watts training with Chono, Sasaki, and, and Matsuda and learning the STF with Chono. Arn, would you agree the purpose of the segment was to offer Watts legitimacy and credibility needed to start wrestling guys like you, Bobby, Rude, and Austin? I would hope so. You know, I mean... I would hope so. It's it's a different look, and it's you know Matt Suda I think was well respected in the business, and I think it was meant to put some legitimacy into the hold and into the fact that he is training like everybody else. Do you remember anything? And I know we're talking a lot about Eric and Bill, and it's because he's so prevalently the focus is on him at this point all right do you remember anything as far as conversation backstage was it solely on bill as far as the creative and the decision to put eric in this position do you remember how you were approached about being one of those guys to help make eric anything that you remember about this time period no it's i mean bill didn't gather us up and say hey i want to push my kid right but you knew where it came from, and whoever was carrying the word, whoever was the, quote, booker at yeah. the time, that was the carrier of the word, and uh, it was pretty clear what, what was going on. Were guys talking backstage about it that you can recall at all? Amongst themselves. You know, okay. nobody was going to do it. You know, it, we didn't blame Eric. Nobody blamed Eric. 
we knew it was a bad situation to be in. It was a tough situation to be in. But still, you had that, hey, you know, I've gotten myself to a certain level. I'm established in the business. You know, this is taking a step back. Because it's hard to, you know, when a guy's that green, it's hard to make him look like he's not. And listen, I'm sure that you guys aren't, you know, clamoring to be his best buddy either. I mean, yes, you ha- you said you guys took more of a mature approach and didn't hold it against him. But at the same time, if I'm Eric Watts, I got to feel that the guys in the back are probably going to have a little bit of a cold shoulder towards me because he's no dummy. I'm assuming he knows how he's being treated and how other guys have to look at it. Well, I hope I never treated him like that uh, because we knew it was not his fault. I hope I never, you know, that would be just, you know, putting the boots to a guy that's already in a tough situation. I hope I was never that guy. I hope I was welcoming and trying to help him and put him in a situation, you know, to where he could at least relax enough to do the best he could. Handle it like a pro's pro, Arn Anderson. Well, listen, we have our uh, first fan question this week, Arn. It comes from our pal Brad Stanton. He says, could Eric Watts have worked out better without his dad being so involved? Do you think that Bill actually hindered Eric's progress and ability not only to learn to work, but also how to get over? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He, uh, we'll keep going because we've, we've spent some time here on this already. But friend of the show, Brian Haremza, he says, do you think that had Eric came in with a different name, which we, I just had mentioned earlier, he could have had a better chance? Also, was there any pressure put on you by Bill to help get his son over? Well, it wasn't a spoken word. You just knew. If, he, if they had you booked with him, you better, better do your best to make him look as good as you can. Bill's the one writing the checks. How about the name thing? Would you have tried something different than Eric Watts? No, I would have just given him more time training, okay. getting ready, had him be more prepared when he showed up on TV. Once you're on national television on that show, you know, the, the bird is out of the cage. That's exactly it. No going back. No. Well, here we go, man. This is what I've been looking forward to. We're going to talk about the whole injury angle. And this takes place November 28th, 1992 on uh, the edition of World Championship Wrestling. During a match with you and Austin, Watts defeated you by submission with the STF. This is the match that we watched last week's show to close the show. This is the last match, Arn, that you have with the company for several months. However, you recorded a sit-down interview with Jesse Ventura in December that would air three weeks later in the first week in January. We have the interview. It's our first clip of the week. Let's take a look at the way you and Jesse, who, by the way, you just told us last week you got to spend some time with you recently. This is from the January 2nd, 1993 episode of World Championship Wrestling, recorded in December. Let's take a listen to what what you had to say, Arn. Hi, this is Jesse the Body Ventura, and I'm sitting in for my colleague Tony Schiavone on WCW Up Close. And I'm thrilled to sit in here today because I have a man sitting with me, someone who even I admire. And there ain't many people in this wrestling world that Jesse the Body admires. But the person sitting with me, Arn Anderson, double A, the enforcer. Unbelievable career in world championship wrestling, Arn. You go way back to the days of the four horsemen. You've basically ruled WCW in the time you've been involved in world championship wrestling. Well, I've certainly grown up with WCW and the old NWA. I came here just uh, basically a rookie, greenhorn, and I learned. I learned through battling the best, back to the Dusty Rhodes era, the Magnum TA era, which wasn't so long ago. I took my knocks, I took my bumps, and I learned that you either learn to persevere or you get out. So my roots are here. I feel like this is my home. Well, I'll tell you, you got a great background, Arn. You know, you're, the thing that you and I have in common, we're both Minnesotans, exactly. and everybody knows how tremendous amateur wrestling is in the Midwest. I mean, it's the where all the power. You got Minnesota, Iowa, the Big Ten wrestling, and that's where you came up with an amateur background. And I got to hand it to you. You've held just about every tag team title there is to hold in World Championship Wrestling. 
You're at the peak of your career right now, but you've suffered an injury, which we all know can happen. It's a rough business, a rough game. You get hurt. How's the knee doing right now? Well, Jess, I've had every injury known to man. Third, three years ago in February, I broke my neck. Herniated disc that qualifies. I've had every other injury. Torn groin. I never could sympathize with guys when they hurt their knee because I'd never been through it. Now, it's that plateau of healing. When you start to heal, it just plateaus off. Athletes understand what I'm talking about. You go through a process where you get better, you get a little better, and then it just cuts off, and it's frustrating because without your legs, you cannot compete. I've competed hurt before. As you know, we all, all, all athletes have had to. Sure. But you can't compete on any serious level without your wheels. Well, 92's drawn to a close now, Iron, and I know we're all looking forward to 1993. I think personally it's gonna be the biggest year in WCW history, 1993. A lot of young new wrestlers coming up, a lot of talent that's been here for quite some time right now that it is at the top. What's your expectations for 1993? You've done it all, what's left to Let do? Let me tell you the kicker at this point, Jesse. The reason my leg is hurt, you're talking about the young talent. I hurt this leg in a match with Eric Watts, national television. Right. Well aware of it. Hurt it, he put that new STF on it, took advantage of a situation that he learned from Chono, and he put that hold on, and he hurt that knee. Which, ha, hurrah, good for Eric Watts. But let me tell you the kicker, after what I've been and all that I've done in WCW and the old NWA, here's the kicker. When it comes rebuttal time, if I can get this knee well, I don't have a contract in 93. What? Bill Watts is not renewing my contract. It's sweep Arn Anderson out the door, no rebuttal. Let him, if he can get well, fine. But he'll have no rebuttal in WCW, a.k.a. Bill Watts. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. You're telling me, Arn, you've got no contract for 93? A talent of your caliber, they're not signing you? I've earned the right to be here forever, Jesse, and my You're eyes, damn right you have. This is my home, okay? But Eric Watts, understand one thing, and this pertains to you, not Daddy. No contract doesn't pertain to the streets. It doesn't pertain to these arenas where I can buy a ticket. It doesn't pertain to airports. You may be sitting there with your girlfriend holding hands in one of these ice cream shops. Understand one thing, I was here first. I earned my way. And I'm not going to be shoved aside and take it lightly. You can rest assured of that. I'm Arn Anderson. I've earned that right. I think Bill Watts is protecting his kid. I don't like it. This is Jesse the Body Ventura, the man who tells it like it is. Watts, quit protecting your kid. That's it for this week on Up Close and WCW. Arn, real, raw, I'm invested after watching that. What'd you think? 100% legitimate. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... You're addressing everything we just talked about building up to that clip. Without either of us having watched that clip fully, you nailed it in a shoot-style interview. Well, I mean, it's... Some of this stuff I remember crystal clear. And again, it wasn't just me that was getting picked on. Talent were being let go. They were... They were getting low-ball offers on contracts as each contract came due. The guys were getting different deals, but they were all being cut. Nobody was getting more money. Nobody was making more money. Hey, I'd like to give you a raise. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter how over you were. Your drawing ability, your working ability, your ability to talk. Being a representative of the company, none of that was considered. It was just, how can we cut the payroll? And I was going to be, you know, the timing was. It just so happened that my contract was running out, and uh, I had an injury. That's a bad That's a bad combination. But the storytelling that you took us on from, hey, I was here, NWA, WCW. The Magnum TA days. I mean, that's 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 goose. It's all true, but it's goosebumps. As a rookie, and you take us through the narrative of how you worked your way all the way up, then to then put you know put Eric over and how he came in with Daddy. 
So good, Arn. And uh, man, deliberate, measured. This is uh, old school enforcer all the way in a shoot style interview. Uh, this does a lot for this, this story, man. Well, I'm mad every word of it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, need to call a quick time out here. Wanted to tell your listeners what I've been telling my listeners over at OU didn't know for a while now about all the cool things happening over at adsfreeshows.com. We recently celebrated the 25-year anniversary of the biggest Nitro of all time when Goldberg faced Hollywood Hogan at the Georgia Dome. Eric, alongside the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan and the living legend Larry Zbysko, joined Ad-Free Shows members live to relive it. Well, you can't fire me now, so I'll tell you the truth. I don't think think anything can beat that. That was the ultimate. I mean, they broke the decibel record. The roof blew off the place. It, it was amazing, totally amazing. Speaking of the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan joins AdFreeShows.com starting this July with a brand new mailbag series, Tuesday with the Taskmaster, answering your questions each and every week. I have over 50 years of experience in the wrestling business, and I'm happy to be on this platform with Conrad. So send in your letters, you got a question, I can go back even past 50 years. And I'm a wrestling historian, so anything you want to know, we'll try to deliver. That's just a small taste of what we got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why Ads-Free Shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adsfreeshows.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about... How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. And that's the difference. To me, I want to feel invested. And that th- those types of styles of promo, you're 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 hanging on every word. And I hope that there are some y- r- young wrestlers in the business that, whether they see just that clip on social media, there's still a lot to learn uh, from you, Double A. And that's just a perfect example of uh, how you can truly tell your own story and bring in the reality, even though it's woven into a wrestling storyline. But everything you said was 100% spot on. Well, you know, one of the compliments that I'm paid uh, when I see people out and they, they go back to reliving these days and when they see this, I think this falls in that category. You know, Four Horsemen had a lot of, you know, you had Ric Flair who was over the top and, you know, Wild Man, you had Tully Blanchard who had a great interview style, J.J. Dillon, are very articulate. But, but the biggest compliment that I get is... But when it, the microphone went to you, we started hitting each other in the ribs going, be quiet, I want to hear this. This guy means business. And that's what that interview just was. That's right. All business, 100% the way I felt. I care now about you and Eric Watts. That's, that's what I'll say as a fan. And, and, and I think that was accomplished through that interview, no doubt about it. And as we just heard, man, you warned Eric Watts that he might not be safe anywhere. The ice cream parlor, it doesn't matter. And uh, good to your word, pal. You found Eric Watts, and it's at a gas station in Charlotte. This segment was recorded at the end of December, and it didn't air until January 16th, 1993. Again, it all went down in December. Our second clip of the week, we're going to find out what happens when Arn finds Eric Watts in his backyard at the local filling station. Here we go. Back to WCW Saturday Night. Sandy here with Eric Watts. Eric, I want to talk about the altercation between you and Arn Anderson in Charlotte, North Carolina. that happened recently at a gas station. And you know, sometimes some things can get blown out of proportion. 
And after the statements made just last Sunday here on TBS in the main event and the actions, of course, of Clash of the Champions that suspended you from action that night, we had a call the offices of World Championship Wrestling from some fans who were there and had it on home videotape exactly what happened. I want to get your comments on what happened after we take a look at the videotape, okay? Well, let's take a look. Okay, let's take a look at that videotape. Give him a big kiss, Blair. See, ask him if you can give him a kiss. Hey, I told you I'd catch your ass out here somewhere, didn't I? What's your problem? Oh, didn't I tell you? Oh. Oh. Did I tell you I'd catch you? Oh, did I tell you? Somebody call the police. Somebody call the police. Here's the police. You back of my leg. So now, Eric, as you look at that videotape, what was going through your mind at the time? Well, first of all, thank goodness for videotape so the truth can be seen. What's going through my mind is that Arn Anderson made, it, made a point, a point that he'd come at me anywhere, anytime. He wanted to jump on, but sometimes, as you can see here, when you jump on top of someone, you can't always get off. Right. Tony, I don't get paid to fight in the streets. I get paid to fight in the ring. But Arn wanted it a different way. I'm a wrestler and I've been a wrestler all my life. Now it's a profession of mine. And let me tell you what, in any street fight or fight in the match, I'm going to get you on the mat. And once I get you on the mat, I'm going to put the STF on. And once I put the STF on, only the ref can pull me off. And in this instance, there's no referees. The only thing that it kept him from saving his leg, if it's saved, is the police. Let me tell you what, Arn Anderson, anyone else that wants me, I'm an easy man to find. You can come get me. That from Eric Watts as we go back to the ring. There you go, man. As far as the, you know, you interrupted the old meet and greet with little Susie and beat the shit out of him. There's something going on at what, Charlotte parking lots, gas stations. Shit goes down at these places back in these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gas stations are not a safe place, obviously. No. Oh, man. You and the Zubaz pants come sprinting out. Do you remember this? This had like the, the home oh, yeah. video feel. It was cool. This, uh, the way it was laid out, I, let the cat out of the bag. The whole thing was my idea. The one thing that that we we blew is somehow between Doug Dillinger was who was a Charlotte police officer and was there on scene uh, to help make sure things didn't go south. But the little girl, the dad, all that they were just legitimate bystanders. They were not smartened up they had no idea what was about to go down if you look at the guy trying to pull eric off i mean he was at a loss he really was just didn't know what to do he was trying to pull on eric and he's looking for somebody to come out of the store here's the big the big pop. somebody forgot to notify the cops get out of here so the cops and their 
intervention there was all legitimate. Cuffing him in the whole night. They threw him if against you, the car and put the cuffs on him. Yeah. I mean, it just so happened we were right downtown, almost where the police station was, and it didn't take very long. Somebody called it in right away. So by the time it got unraveled a little bit later, I mean, they were a little pissed that somebody failed to call them and let them know. But it came, it had that air of legitimacy as far as the fighting part of it and, uh, you know, the intervention by the police. From the sit-down interview with Jesse to now this clip, maybe not so much Watts with Tony afterwards. He's still green on the mic. I get it. But, man, I'm in. I, I mean, that was awesome. Uh, the legitimacy of your interview and then you saying, I told you so. Here I am. We're in a parking lot. Again, you and the little girl, I don't care if kissing on the cheeks, whatever. I'm going to come smack you in the cheek, MFR. I mean, you're even yelling at, you're yelling ass. They're, blur, you know, you hear them beep, beep. I mean, everything. The whole situation is just really good. I thought it was. I thought yeah. it was well done on everybody's part. Yeah, well done, well done. Well, listen, let's discuss some other things that are happening inside WCW during this month because uh, during one of the Bill Watts era, during the, the Bill Watts era, should I say, one of the major areas of emphasis was tag team wrestling. And this is evidenced by how many times tag team title defenses closed house shows, Arn. They closed house shows, they would close TV tapings, pay-per-views. And during the month of December, this was almost always the case on the house show loop, uh, the champions were Shane Douglas and Ricky Steele. Boat. They took on challengers and listen to the competitors that they took on. It's a murder's row of opponents. You have Van Vader and Austin. You have Vader and Steve Williams. Jushin Thunder Liger and Kensuke uh, Sasaki. And then you have Sasaki and the Great Muda. All these men are talented in ring workers. And many of these matches went 20 plus minutes. And thanks to our friend Richard Land of the history of WWE.com. We know that the matches with Sasaki and Liger, as well as the matches with Sasaki and Muda, went over 30 minutes. So, Arn, that's a big ask from both performers and the fans, and we know how does this sit through a long match from our side, but as a performer, what does it take <coughs> to imagine and create 30 <coughs> matches that have to close the show? Um, and how do you approach these lengthy matches like this when you're shutting down a show in a 30-minute encounter? You have to break it down into increments. <clears throat> you have to have a period of time on the front of a match where you establish both teams are trying to get control. First of all, you have to get control before you can maintain control. So you go through that 10, 12 minutes that go back and forth and jockeying for a position. Then you have... Usually you will have one of the baby faces get stopped and you'll get a good chunk of five, six, seven, maybe seven minutes of uh, heat to where the heels are controlling. They're cut off the ring. They keep a guy close to the heel corner. Then you get what you think is going to be the hot tag. In comes the tag. Here comes the other guy. He starts kicking ass. The real trick is to get it peaked and then stop that baby face. Now we get what is called a second heat, and that first baby face can recover. Now the audience does not know which way is up. Which way it's going to go. That's right. Normally off that hot tag, that one hot tag, you have a finish. But if you're going 30 minutes, you got to break it down into increments, and you get a second tag, and here we go. You get a four-way, and whatever it is, it is. But it's... Uh, you have to break it down strategically into chunks of time and into chunks of story. Hmm. Well, uh, in WCW, December also means it's Starcade time. And uh, Starcade 1992, the Lethal Lottery 2 took place at the Omni in Atlanta, Georgia. 8,000 fans attended the event with 6,500 of those paid. And like the previous year, one of the featured attractions at this event was a series of tag team matches that were determined by random drawing. The winners would advance to a battle royal, and the winner of the battle royal would be given a battle bowl championship ring. Arn, what did you think of the battle bowl concept and the manner in which WCW would carry it out? Um, I have to let you down on this one. When I went home from this angle, mm -hmm. 
I detached myself. For about six weeks, I just quit watching everything. Yeah. Uh, so I can't can't really comment on that. I was I was at a point where I really needed to clear my head and figure out what I was going to do because the one thing that was really real is I didn't have a contract. Yeah. You know. Yep. No, I hear you. And it was probably a nice time for you just to reset, spend some time with the family. Here, we're talking December. This is right, holiday season. And I love Christmas, my favorite time of year. So, be honest with you. You weren't throwing Starcade on the TV. No, no, I wasn't watching wrestling of any type. I was just spending time with my family. There you go. Well, we're going to talk about it a little bit here. Uh, the first world title match featured the IWGP champion, the Great Muda, and he took on the NWA world champion, Masahiro Chono. Chono defeated Muda with the STF at 14 minutes, 32 seconds. On for many of our fans, this was an introduction to Japanese wrestling as the two legends collided for the NWA title. What did you think of Muda and Chono as workers? Much respect. Very talented, both of them. Plus, Chono had that tremendous look. You know, if you saw the movie Black Rain, the bad guys in Black Rain, you know, the Japanese gangsters looked like yeah. Chono. Chono looked like them. You know, Muda was a good-looking guy, good-looking babyface, a lot of babyface skills. And the one thing that I did, it took me uh, it took me a few times of watching an entire Japanese host of matches to figure out what they did differently from us, well, they had finishes. They had guys tap out. Muda would have been the baby face, and he would have tapped out to a heel submission. You didn't see that very often. That's true. In the States. You just didn't because baby faces didn't give up. They may black out. They may pass out. But you never had baby faces usually tap out. So that was something different that they brought to America. It's kind of fun here because, you know, WCW, they have this relationship with New Japan back then. And obviously, it's, you know, there's people that it's underutilized, probably underappreciated a little bit. But now we get to see AEW and the whole Forbidden Door deal, right? Where New Japan, and, and how much fun is that? But, you know, all these years ago, WCW was doing some of this stuff with New Japan. Yeah, and when we would go over there, you know, you would see them working their style. We still worked American style. And the top guys like Muda and Chono and those guys, they could they could work either way. You know, they were that talented. So it was a learning process for me. It continually is. Today I'm learning something, Paul, as we're talking through this. You never quit learning in this business. Well, let's continue to uh, educate uh, you on what happened with this event, and we'll talk through and, and, and get your opinion on some of the stuff. Uh, this event featured two world championship matches, Arn. The first was Ron Simmons defending his world title against Dr. Death Steve Williams. I mean, my goodness, that, those are two pretty big beasts, pretty big bulls going head-to-head against one, one another, huh? You got a clip of that, I hope? I don't. We, do, we don't have a clip of that one. But uh, here's the deal with that one. Dr. Death was a substitute for Rick Rude, who was pulled from the event thanks to a neck injury. So he's dealing with injuries. Ron and Rude had been building to the title match, but Rude was hurt during one of the King of the Cable matches. And in this encounter, both men were initially counted out in just over 15 minutes. But Nick Patrick awarded the match to Ron Simmons when Dr. Death attacked Simmons after the match, driving a top rope knee off his back and having to be pulled off Ron Simmons by referees. Uh, so there it is. I mean, Arn, it's a longstanding rule that concerning substitutions, the replacement needs to be equal or greater value because the fans, they're not getting what they paid for. And Rude, at this point, is one of the hottest heels in the business. Dr. Death's one of the biggest badasses. But uh, I'm sure they had to come up with some kind of finish that was probably a compromise because of Doc being in the match. And that's got to be a challenge for you know whoever's putting this card together. You know, And unfortunately, it's one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year. Well, and in all reality, Doc you know, was Doc. You knew who Doc was, but you can't replace a Rick Rude. No. It's not going to be good enough no matter how you slice it. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here to talk to you about my friends over at SaveWithConrad.com. Are you looking to get out of debt? Conrad and his team can make that happen faster than me firing the hockey talk man. Wow. And you know that controversy creates cash, right? Do you know what doesn't create cash? Credit card debt. Save with Conrad can help you consolidate high interest credit cards and all of your other debt into one low monthly payment. They can even help you get the cash you need for home improvements or anything else. They've helped 83 weeks listeners save 500, 600, 700, even $800 a month. Seriously, your papers are going to go down faster than nitro ratings in 2000. Ouch! And how about this? No house payments for two months. That's right, no house payments for two months. And unlike the dirt sheets, man, the reviews do not lie. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, find out for yourself how much Conrad and his team can save you by checking out SaveWithConrad.com today. You'd be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! They uh, they also had the King of the Cable Tournament finals, and uh, they, they took place this night. That this one featured Vader and Sting battling it out for the title of King of Cable. Sting and Vader go 17 minutes and 39 seconds after wrestling earlier in the evening to qualify for the Battle Bowl Battle Royal. Sting would win the match, Arn, with a power slam after catching Vader coming off the second rope. Jesse Ventura presented Sting with the trophy. And Stinger cuts a promo just minutes before competing in the Battle Bowl Battle Royal. Arn, this one was just another amazing out- outing for this uh, Sting-Vader rivalry. Uh, you had a front row seat to many of their feuds. Many fans feel that Vader is one of Sting's greatest adversaries. What, what do you say about that? Yeah, because Vader made it competitive. You know, he's, no matter how you slice it, he was a big, impressive guy and a hell of an athlete. And for him to go out and make Sting, which was his job, mind you, some guys that size would have felt like they had to work a lot stronger. Leon knew what his job was. And he made it happen. And he was so athletic for a man his size. It was just impressive to see what he could do with a guy like Sting that just made it. Uh, He was incredible. He could have a match with anybody. Yeah. Well, the main event was the Battle Bowl Battle Royal. The eight finalists, here we go. The great Muda, who won the event. Barry Windham, who was a, the last man eliminated by Muda. Van Hammer, one of your all-time favorites. Uh, Dan Spivey, I say that tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Sting, Vader, and Dustin Rhodes. Five of the eight men in this match wrestled three times, Arn. Muda, Windham, Vader, Sting, and Williams all had a qualifying match as well as another match before this battle royal and i want to ask about this from both a wrestler and fan perspective why have five guys wrestled three times rather than just finding a way to incorporate other talents don't you think that fans could tend to grow a little bit weary of seeing the same guys in one night i'm sure of it yeah each time they see you the reaction is less and less and less and it should have just been tournament style and eliminated its way down and you have a championship match and that's it. Those, you know, not a big fan of battle royals. If you've seen one, you've seen them all pretty yeah. much. I, uh, the one, the one, and I don't, I guess you don't even call it a battle royal, but I do enjoy the Royal Rumble. I'm a Royal Rumble fan and I don't, but I feel that's different than a battle royal. It is. Yeah, it is. All right, good. Well, listen, I'm going to put a bow on the Starcade discussion, but I have to mention this because this pay-per-view, Arn, is one of the last ones that JR, Jim Ross, called action for WCW. He has a falling out with the company uh, after Eric Bischoff becomes his boss and will move on to the WWF making his announcing debut at WrestleMania 9 
JR was one of the casualties of the Bill Watts era, and because he was so loyal to Bill for giving him a start in Mid-South, JR became a casualty of the internal power struggle. And rather than accept a sales job, JR headed up north. And that full story is available on Grilling JR in his early episodes. But man, this version of Jim Ross, to me, Arn, is by far one of my favorites. He presented each match. And as we've listened to it here, we've listened to the clips. It sounded like a sporting event. And uh, his enthusiasm, the accuracy, and the storytelling, uh, man, it was so good. Well, you said one of the things you said was true accuracy. Not only was he excited, but what he was calling was 100% correct. The moves were right. The story was right. The intensity was right. Everything he said is what you were seeing. You know, he was, he was really a top-shelf, top-shelf announcer. That's for sure. He, he, let you, he let your eyes see what they were seeing, but he filled it in with explanation. Yeah. And to this day, he does the same thing. He's, he, he explains what you're seeing to the naked eye and makes it crystal clear. I hope fans truly have the appreciation they should. Wrestling fans that enjoy good wrestling and enjoy good commentating really appreciate JR for what he brought because they broke the mold with Jim Ross. There's people now that put his sound bites to everything, whether it's video games, whether it's, I don't care what it is. He just was so damn, especially in the Attitude Era, so entertaining on some of the calls. And for the listeners who might not know, JR, he goes on to work for Vince. He's fired. He's hired back, thanks to the steroid trial, and then goes on to work with Jerry the King Lawler to become one of the most recognizable commentary teams probably in wrestling history, Arn. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, they became characters, and they were as much a part of the show as anybody. His, uh, some of his larger contributions, though, were also with talent relations. He assembled all-star teams, if you think about it, for the WWE. I mean, you know, Arn, for talent like yourself, how much does it hurt the product to lose WCW at this point someone with the talent of Jim Ross? Well, I don't think he had achieved what he would have achieved yet right you know he hadn't done any talent relations work or any of that stuff yet so you know it might be one of those things that fate took him there if he would have stayed with wcw maybe he would have just stayed an announcer and that was it and maybe the guys on the other end wwf would have suffered because of it you're that's a big one that's a a huge what if what if it would have halted his growth as far as never being able to evolve in the talent relations, because if he wouldn't have had that, you're absolutely right. If he'd have stayed with WCW, yeah, maybe he was just an announcer, lifelong commentator, you know, or maybe, or or what is, maybe he would have graduated to that big chair, yeah, where Heard and Watts and all those guys sat. Yeah, who knows? the right who knows? person comes along, you never know. Yeah, Who knows? Again, one of those what-ifs like we like to talk about here. Well, listen, finally on December 30th, 1992, the man they call Vader, he defeats Ron Simmons for the world title in Baltimore, Maryland. We love Baltimore, Maryland. <coughs> Me and you got to enjoy a nice meal in Baltimore not too long ago. I'd like to do that again sometime, Arn. Next time, you're, let's go to Jimmy's again, can we? We will. I want some crab cakes. You know, the I one the, should say you do. The one the size of the plate. Remember that one? You got two of them that were <laughs> softball size. <laughs> well, listen, we're in Baltimore, Maryland on this night. It's the site of where he lost the title to Ron Simmons in August and began his reign that lasted until Starcade 93. 93 is arguably Vader's most significant year in wrestling, by the way. Uh, the research guy often compares Vader's 93 to Flair's 89 in terms of how good each was and how they made their opponents but vader will be a focal point in 93 and uh, we're going to revisit that campaign started here december 30th our final clip of the week 1992 we're at the civic center aren't you been there plenty of times over the years here in baltimore van vader wins the title from ron simmons anything else vader was shocked at that move power slam that's the movie beat him up last time here in baltimore but this time he doesn't cover it he went up to Harley Race, and now comes him with Vader's in the ropes. 
So things have drastically changed. Back on August 2nd, the power slam beat Vader. This time the power slam, and quickly Harley Rachel's up. Shoulder block taking Vader down. champ and man how about that power slam when we first started watching that clip it was smooth as anything i've ever seen for a 400 pounder well I've, yeah i've said before when Simmons power slams you you feel like a baby in his arms yeah it's just whip and just it's effortless and he just whipped the big you know whatever 350 400 pound vader like a, like a little baby right through well, the air leon was every bit of 350 right there every bit <laughs> Uh, and Tony Schiavone alludes to it. Simmons having a storyline shoulder injury, and the big man capitalizes on it to win the match. High intensity for both these guys, as we would expect at this point. And Vader's just getting warmed up, as I said before the clip. As for Ron, this is the only total reign of his career. But you've pointed it out before, Arn, that there are far more wrestlers who haven't been world champion, let alone the first African-American heavyweight wrestling champion. Give us your thoughts on Simmons as the champion, as well as what we just saw here in this uh, 90-second clip. Well, I got nothing but respect to this day. I see Ron occasionally at these signings, and he's just hes just a hell of a, a businessman. He's a hell of an athlete. He's a hell of a man. Hell of a friend, credit to the business, you name it. He's uh, hes all those things, and I think he represented being the champion well. Yeah. Um, you know, he could have had more guys fed to him and had more victories. I would like to have seen him have a little bit longer run and, and you know, imagine the match that Barry Windham would have gave him and, and some, you know, Rick Rude and some of those guys. You know, the potential they could have, you know, had. Imagine Ricky Steamboat wrestling for the title. Mm. What kind of match he could have gave Ron. Amazing. I think I think it had a lot more legs than the short time that he was a champion. Well, Arn, in typical uh, Arn Show fashion, we're going to close out the show with a couple of fan questions. The first one comes to us from Dylan. He writes, this era was before I was born, but I love hearing about wrestling from back then because it felt grittier, more authentic than some of the wrestling we see today. My question is, what wrestler today does Arn see most of himself in and who from today's era would thrive in his era? So let's start the first one. Who do you see most in yourself in today's, uh, today's wrestling business? Hmm. Um. God, that's a hard one. Mm. What do you think, Paul? Who yeah, would you know. say? Good on the mic, kind of that enforcer style. The guy you send in. <sighs> that's a tough one because I kind of had my own. You had your own niche. I had my own style and interview of work um i'm just not thinking of the look i'm thinking style on the mic kind of that support guy to the superstar let's put it out there and listen next week it's ask or anything and so if someone has some suggestions this is the perfect time to throw it in i'd love let's to hear have, it. i'd love to comment on their choices yeah 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 let's do that the audience let's do that i like that let's us, us not we can stop the mental exercise and let them do it that's a great question though dylan he says who from today's era maybe this one would you think thrive in this era 
<clears throat> we could go. I'll go eight. From, from my era that would thrive in this no, era? No, who, who from today's era would thrive back in this NWA, WCW era of time? Mm. I know you got somebody for that. Oh, I mean, come on. Danielson. I think Moxley. These guys are wrestlers, Mike guys. I think oh, of... Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, a number of guys. Cesaro. Cesaro's, again, just a wrestler. Wrestler's wrestler. And we're just talking AEW. That's the company that you work for right now, so that we'll just stick to there. Mm. But I think there's a lot of guys on that roster that would fit fit there. Power, you look big fan of power. Let's see, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ron Simmons. Oh my God, Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. You know, FTR would fit in any. They would uh, fit. Yeah. Hello. Yes. Anywhere from probably 1980 on. Yeah, they, their style works. It's just a style that works. Doesn't matter. Only, what era. only because I'm not familiar with the '70s. I haven't, you know, yeah. for whatever reason. But from 1980 on, those guys would fit any scenario anywhere. I wouldn't mind seeing Samoa Joe tear it up with some of these guys back then. Joe is like a modern Wahoo McDaniel's. Yeah, see him against Vader, maybe. Or, Wah or Wahoo. Wahoo's yeah. a good one. Can you imagine yeah. those two chopping each other? Yeah, I mean, they would slug it out, buddy. <laughs> Wahoo's a tough man, too. That's a dream match. Wahoo and Samoa Joe. Yeah, more I, more I think about that, that would be awesome. That <laughs> will be awesome. Great question, Dylan. Love it. Uh, uh, Megan asks, and an interesting question considering all the start and stops that you had during this time period, if you had the opportunity to recreate your gimmick... What would you be? Anything? Pie in the sky. Guaranteed success. You could be a, something different than Enforcer. Would you choose something different? Hmm. No, because I tried to pattern my style after what my... Who you were. My Yeah, who I really was inside, and plus my abilities, plus my shortcomings. I tried to stay away from those. You don't see me trying a lot of things other than coming off the top occasionally. <laughs> right. That failed because I didn't try anything that I didn't have confidence in. You accentuated the positives and hid the, you know, hid the weaknesses like Paul. What he know. said. What That's, he said. Yeah, yeah. That was perfect. Bobby KF5 GTX. Final question. First, I love my new Enforcer t-shirt from boxagimmicks.com. Great. Yep, love you, Bobby. Appreciate it. What was travel like in this era? Did you guys book rental cars or drive your own? Only ride with certain guys, and did everyone in the car talk about the business the entire trip? Did anyone keep a calendar of dates, arenas, matches, etc.? So he's just curious what that looked like. Well, we didn't keep calendars like we should. Um, uh, the Cornets of the world, and the, I'm sure the Paulies and those guys kept exemplary records. Uh, but yeah, the, the guys that were partners or the guys that were friends would travel together because number one, that was your time to blow off some steam, have a couple beers, go to the next town, uh, and talk about the matches and learn from each other. You know, that was the greatest learning tool you could have would be three other guys who were going to be honest with you. And yeah. we would talk about each other's matches. Going Critique. To the next, yeah. 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 But in a way that was going to help everybody. You wouldn't just sit there and, you know, kick a Make guy fun in the nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they had a bad match, we skipped on to something that was pleasurable to talk about. Or we didn't talk business. You know, sometimes one guy could have something go south and it really stink or get, get dinged up a little bit because somebody did something stupid and it would spoil the mood of the trip. So you know what? You didn't talk business. You talked about baseball or football or music or anything. all the stuff that the rest of us like to talk about outside of wrestling yeah yeah that's good normal guys just driving in car normal guys talking right. about normal stuff yeah all right listen to molly hatchet there you go <laughs> flirting with disaster flirting with disaster arn's favorite that would have been his theme if he could pick it that's right that's right well listen that's one of the things we learned on ask arn anything and guys next week it's the last week of july and that means it's time 
for Ask Arn Almost Anything. And uh, you can look for our posts on social media. Use the has- hashtag Ask Arn. We have dozens of questions we didn't get to, and we're going to ask as many as possible. And remember, this time the team is handing the Would You Rather segment over to you. It received amazing reviews, and several of our listeners have already reached out to the team, letting us know they have some hypotheticals ready for the enforcer. They're ready, Arn. The question is, are you ready? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, I love that. I can't If wait. I was ready, it wouldn't be as fun, would it? Oh, man, that's exactly right. We are going to have a blast. Guys, listen, check out arnlinks.com. You're going to find everything related to this show there, previous episodes, social media handles, and, of course, both the Arn and Horseman stores. And just like Bobby, you, too, can buy a shirt, a hat, whatever you want from those stores. Thank you, Bobby, for supporting us. And uh, it really means a lot to both Arn and I. And so uh, we appreciate it so much. If your business targets 25 to 54-year-old men, there's no better place to advertise than right here with us on The Arn Show. Go to advertisewitharn.com now. Find out more about advertising with The Arn Show. Why? Because it works. So once again, advertisewitharn.com. As mentioned at the top of the show, also check out adfreeshows.com. You can sign up for the first week for free. Get a free trial. And man, I'm telling you, once you uh, upgrade to that bonus level, that $29 level, that's where all the good stuff happens. Even that Taskmaster, with uh, the, you get to see his new show, Kevin Sullivan with the Devil, the Devil of Marcus, as we talked about at the top of the show. And we, are, we were hoping that Marcus survives. I'm sure he will, Arn. Uh, we appreciate everything he does with this show. Well, Arn, thank you so much for doing it with me this week. Thank you, buddy. It's always a pleasure, and thank you to our audience. Hope we're giving you what you want, <clears throat> doing our best, and uh, thank you for supporting us 100%. Guys, make sure you go check him out. We've told you where you can find him, and uh, make sure you go see Arn on the road as he travels around and makes his appearances on behalf of the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen and the creator of the Spinebuster, Arn Anderson. This is Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right back here next week on another episode of Arn. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.